the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So we'll continue uh, in the looking at and studying the book of Orthodox Afterlife. Um, last time we had reached the point where um, the the main character that we've been following so far, so far, and his uh, near death experience or his death experience, uh, his name we call him Mister Yu. Um, he had died in the hospital bed, and then he. Um, in the spirit, he was outside of his body. He saw himself on the table. He described his experience and how he felt. Uh, and then um, two angels appeared, and they took his spirit, and they began to go up. Uh, and, and then he went into this vast expanse of, of space where he said he felt so insignificant and small. And then he, he uh, saw devils, uh, and he prayed, and he asked the intercession of St. Mary, and then everything became like a white mist, and he kind of um, was no longer in the presence of those devils anymore. Um, and we talked about in detail those things. Um, uh, today, I want to speak about um, a lot of the sayings of the church fathers about this idea of the struggle between the angels and the devils that happens at the time of death. Um, we spoke about how this struggle is a struggle that exists all the time. And that there is the, the, the demons that tempt us all the time. Maybe when he had died, he saw it with his own eyes for the first time. And when we see an account or hear an account like this, it's like a frightening thing. When we see that after somebody dies, there is this war, this battle between the angels and the devils for the soul of each person. Right. And that's kind of what can be kind of scary when we read it. Um, but to understand that this war and this fight is happening all the time. Just like what St. Peter says is the devil is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The only difference is that when we're on the earth, we don't notice it. We don't see it with our eyes, but the Lord tells us that it is happening. And that's why we should always be careful. And that's why the Lord sends a guardian angel for each one to protect them. And we spoke also about the guardian angels um, before. So we'll continue speaking about this, um, the angels and the devil struggling for the soul. So this invisible struggle okay between the angels and devils during our lives is becomes like clear and obvious um, at the time of death and it is consistently manifested in orthodox christian afterlife experiences and it is a long-standing belief in the orthodox church this isn't something new this is something that the orthodox church has always believed in for example saint justin martyr he was one of the very very early church fathers he writes um, regarding Psalm 22, he writes the following. When we arrive at the end of life, we should ask the same petition from God, who is able to turn away uh, every shameless evil angel from taking our souls. Hence also God, by his Son, teaches us always to strive earnestly and at death to pray that our souls may not fall into the hands of any such power. As we said before, we experience this temptation and that we should be praying and asking God to deliver us from it. Also, St. John Chrysostom, he says, The soul often rises and sinks down again toward the abyss and trembles with fear. For the awareness of our sins always pricks us, especially at that time when we are about to be led away to the examination of accounts in that terrible court, which is the judgment. Then, if anyone has been guilty of any wrong, the whole swarm of sins is revived and stands before our eyes to sting our conscience. Just as those who dwell in the prison are in dejection and distress all the time, but especially on that day on which they are led out to the very doors of the judge, and standing before the courtroom doors, hearing the voice of the judge from inside, are chilled with fear and are no better off than the dead. 
So also the soul is in great distress and anxiety at the actual time of its sin, but even more when it is about to be drawn out and led away from this world. So he's speaking also about um, this relationship between um, the time of sin okay, and the time of, of judgment, when it's time to be drawn out of this world. You can also make this as a parallel between when we speak about paradise and Hades as we compare them to heaven and hell that the paradise and the Hades are like a waiting place where we are waiting for the coming judgment. The judgment has, hasn't happened yet, but someone who would be in Hades would be what, as it says here, um, dwelling in the prison, in dejection and distress. Why? Because knowing what the coming judgment will hold. There is another story that comes from St. Athanasius in his biography um, re regarding St. Anthony. He says, for, he says this, Once, for example, when he was about to eat and stood up to pray, this is St. Anthony, about the ninth hour, he felt himself carried off in spirit. And strange to say, as he stood, he saw himself, as it were, outside himself, and as though guided aloft by certain beings, angels, then he also saw loathsome and terrible beings standing in the air and bent on preventing him from passing through. As his angel... Uh, as his angel guides offered resistance, the others, evil spirits, demanded to know on what plea he was not accountable to them, i.e. they wanted to know on what basis the angels refused the evil spirits from holding St. Anthony accountable. Then when they set themselves to, uh, to taking an account from his birth, Anthony's guides intervened, saying to them, so these spirits are taking the spirit of St. Anthony up, and they're, they're encountering these evil spirits, okay? And the, the angels are saying to these devils that they have no right to detain him. They have no right to, to hold him or to, to detain him. And so the, 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 the evil spirits, they said, what demanded to know uh, why he was not accountable to them. So this is what the response, uh, the response was from the angels. As for the things dating from his birth, the Lord has erased them. But as for the time since he became a monk and promised himself to God, you can take an account. Then as they, the evil spirits, brought accusations but could not prove them, the way opened up to him free and unhindered. And presently he saw himself approaching, so it seemed to him, and halting with himself, i.e. his spirit reproached his body and entered it again. So his body, his spirit returned to his body. And so he was the real Anthony again. Then, forgetting to eat, he spent the rest of the day and all the night signing and praying, for he was astonished to see against how many we battle and what labors a person has to, to pass through the air. And he remembered that this is what the apostle said, according to the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air is the devil. Here precisely lies the enemy's power, that he fights and tries to stop those who pass through. Wherefore, too, his special admonition, Take unto you the armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, that having no evil to say of us, the enemy may be put to shame. This, I want to really emphasize this point. You don't enter into a battle. Like, like if, you, if you knew that you were, you know, um, you had like a goal or a, a target place that you were trying to go. And in order to get there, you had to pass through a battlefield, like a literal battlefield. And in that battlefield, there are mines, there are explosives, there are soldiers with guns, and there's all kinds of obstacles and, and so much danger, and that you were, were supposed to pass from here to there, okay? You would never feel like you could just walk through and you would be safe, right? But you would feel the need of someone to help you in this process, okay? And when it comes to the whole spiritual life and our life of salvation in general, the reason that we call it salvation 
the reason that we call the Lord a Savior is because he is giving us something that we can't give ourselves. He is doing something for us that we cannot do ourselves. In the sense that we are dead in sin and that we are destined for Hades. Like this is the destination for all people, right? But the Lord comes and he stops that from happening and he says, no, I'm going to pluck you from this and I'm going to take you to paradise instead, right? This, what all these stories are describing is that exact process. This is why the Lord is the Savior. Everyone has to contend with this temptation. Everyone has to contend with the idea that, that the Spirit is, is passing through this temptation where the devils are attacking, where the devils are saying, we own you because you have lived a life of sin, because of disobedience, because you have fallen, because you have become separated from God. All these things, the devils are coming to try to claim the soul, and yet the angels respond and say, no, the Lord has accepted him. You know, the Lord has forgiven him. The Lord has had mercy on him. So who is it that allows us to pass the paradise? It is the Lord, right? And it is a very, um, it is a very explicit, clear event that's happening here, right? It is, it is always a reminder to us of really why we are in the need of salvation. What is it that the Lord has done for us? How much he has given for us? because of, of this. This is really where everything that we have done in life, all the faith that we've had in life, all the, 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 the kind of the, the trust that we've placed in the Lord is coming into action at this point more than at any other time. Because this is the time really where um, by, by the nature of, of human weakness and by nature of the fall, all human beings are destined to be captured by these demons. And yet it is uh, the us who are the Christians, who are the believers, who are exempted from this, right? This is why when we talk about, well, what about the salvation of people um, who never knew Christ? You know, and then we say, well, you know, they're good people. They're people who lived good lives. Um, where, what, is their, what is their destination? What's going to happen to them? I can't say I know the answer to this question, but I can say that there is no passing through this, this is what we're describing, without the Lord on our side. There is no passing through it without the Lord. We cannot defeat these demons. We, we, we are not able to defeat them. The Lord is the one who defeats them for us. St. Anthony, he received another revelation regarding the plight of our spirits after death. So St. Athanasius says about him, He once had a discussion with some visitors about the life of the soul and the kind of place it will have after this life. The following night, there came a call from on high saying, Anthony, rise, go out and look. And looking up, he saw a towering figure, unsightly and frightening, standing and reaching to the clouds. Further, certain beings ascending as though on wings. The former was stretching out his hands. Some of the latter were stopped by him, while others flew over him, and having come through, rose without further trouble. At such as these, the monsters gnashed their teeth, but exulted over those who fell. Forthwith, a voice addressed itself to Anthony, understand the vision. His understanding opened up, and he realized that it was the passing of souls, and that the monster standing there was the enemy, the envier of the faithful. Those answerable to him, he lays hold of and keeps them from passing through. But those, those whom he failed to win over, he cannot master as they pass out of his range. Here again, having seen this and taking it as a reminder, he struggled the more to advance from day to day in the things that lay before him. This is why um, in the book, The Ladder of Divine Ascent, which is a, bo a book written for monastics, 
um, by St. John Climacus. It speaks about these 30 steps to ascend the ladder to heaven, essentially. And one of the very first, um, if it's not the first, I can't remember, is the remembrance of death, right? The more that we contemplate on that moment, you know, we, we, are, um, we are always preparing for something, you know? Like, we are preparing for when we, when we go to college, we are preparing for when our kids go to college. We are preparing for a future career that we want to have. We are preparing financially for some goal or something we have to save for and whatnot. We're always preparing. And as long as we are aware of a goal and a target, we think, how can I prepare for this goal? How can I prepare for this target? The reason sometimes maybe we are not thinking to prepare for this is because it's not in our mind. It's, it's not really in our mind because we don't see it with our eyes. All the things in the world that we see we say, how can I prepare for these things in the world? But the Lord tells us that these are the things that will happen. These are the things we will experience. So just here as St. Anthony, when he saw this vision, it says about him, having seen this and taking it as a reminder, he struggled the more to advance from day to day in the things that lay before him. Even though he was already a monk and he was already a saint and he's already ascetic and living, you know, and sacrificed so much, and yet this vision kind of pushed him to, to, to work even harder, pushed him to do even more, to not live for the luxury of life, to not live for laziness, to not live for anything, but to live only for this moment, okay, to prepare for this moment. St. Macarius the Great, he also experienced the presence of evil spirits as he crossed over, as we said, this crossover realm. And we know this story um, from a disciple which observed St. Macarius as his spirit ascended. So after St. Macarius died, this disciple of his saw the spirit of St. Macarius rising up to paradise. And we read, this is his story that's written in the Synexarian that we read during the liturgy. Uh, the disciple heard the devils crying out and calling after him. You have conquered us, Macarius. The saint replied, I have not conquered you yet. When they came to the gates of heaven, they cried again, saying, You have conquered us. And he replied the same as the first time. When he finally entered the gate of heaven, they cried, You have overcome us, O Macarius. He replied, Blessed be the Lord Jesus Christ, who has delivered me from your hands. That, that even as he, as St. Macarius was in his spirit traveling, the, the, the demons were trying to tempt him prematurely to say, You have conquered us. And he said, No, I have not conquered you yet, because I have not actually entered into heaven yet. I, I, my spirit is still traveling and going to that place. Ambasarabion also described the death of a fellow monk. He says, looking up, I beheld the soul of the saint already being delivered from the bonds of the body. It was covered by angelic hands with a bright white garment and raised up by them to heaven. I beheld the aerial path to heaven and the opened heavens. Then I saw the hordes of demons standing on this path and heard an angelic voice addressed to the demons. Sons of darkness, flee and hide yourselves from the face of the light of righteousness. So you see, every story is the same. Every story we see the similar elements, right? And, and just because there is this demonic temptation doesn't mean that there is fear of fall. Doesn't mean that the demons are going to overcome us. It is something that we go through, yes, but we trust and believe that the Lord is with us. The holy soul of Mark was detained in the air for about one hour. Then a voice was heard from heaven saying to the angels, Take and bring him here, uh, bring here him who put the demons to shame. 
when the soul of the saint had passed without any harm to itself through the hordes of demons and had already drawn near to the opened heavens, I saw, as it were, the likeness of a hand stretch out from heaven, receiving the immaculate soul. Then this vision was hidden from my eyes, and I saw nothing more. As far as taking communion, there are some Orthodox Christians who believe that those who partake of the communion, the body and the blood of the Lord, shortly before death, will be granted a direct transition to paradise and will not have to endure this. One of the bishops of Russia, this is a very, um, from this from a long time ago, Archmenendrite Tikhon from Russia, he writes in this book, Everyday Saints, he writes, the clergy has long believed that if before a person's death he is able to take Holy Communion, that person's soul immediately goes up to God without undergoing any ordeals after death. Um, we can't say for sure whether this is true or not. I'm not saying this to say that this is something for sure that we know. But it, it again shows the belief that there is this passage of trial and temptation and, and, and the idea that perhaps by taking communion close to death, this person will be, um, uh, will be spared this. And this is why actually when someone is about to die on their deathbed, we try to go and bring them communion right before they die. When the ordeal ends, some people, so this, this phase of this temptation, um, when the ordeal ends, some will be carried by angels to paradise, while others will be led away to Hades. St. Hippolytus, he says, The unrighteous are dragged by angels, who are ministers of punishment. These souls no longer go of their own accord. Rather, they are dragged as prisoners by force. And the angels appointed over them hurry them along, reproaching them and threatening with an eye of terror, forcing them down into the lower parts. St. John Chrysostom, he also speaks of this when he was discussing the two biblical parables about the demise of two different rich men. One of them is the story of Lazarus and the rich man who died and went to, to um, the Lazarus who went to a place of comfort where the rich man went to Hades. Um, and, and the other is the story of another rich man who kept accumulating his material possessions on earth until um, he said to himself, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat and drink and be merry. So this is, this is the, a parable that the Lord gave like, to a man who is foolish, who is just thinking about storing up for himself things on earth and thinking that he has it made and because he has planned ahead, whereas he has done nothing in his spiritual life. He has not done nothing to prepare for his death. So St. John addresses these two things. He says what? Not only the souls of the righteous, but also the souls of those who lived in wickedness are led away after death. This is clear from another rich man. For when his harvest was abundant, and he said to himself, What shall I do? I will pull down my bars, uh, barns and build larger ones. What does God say to him? Fool, tonight they require your soul from you. You see here, with regard to Lazarus, it says he was carried away by the angels. There in the parable of the other rich man, it says they require your soul. One was led away as a prisoner. The other was carried on their shoulders as a victor. From that other rich man, his soul was required by some frightful powers, perhaps sent just for this purpose. So again, we see it confirmed in the parable that the Lord gave, and we see it confirmed in um, what St. John Chrysostom is saying. Another father, Abba Theophilus, he's um, the Pope of Alexandria in 385 AD. He described this predicament after the death um, in terms that are astonishingly familiar to the story that we read from Mr. Yu. He says this, what fear, what trembling, what uneasiness will there be for us when our soul is separated from the body? 
Then indeed the force and strength of the adverse powers come against us, the rulers of darkness, those who command the world of evil, the principalities, the powers, the spirits of evil. They accuse our souls as in a lawsuit, bringing before it all the sins it has committed, whether deliberately or through ignorance, from its youth until the time when it has been taken away. So they stand accusing it of all that it has done. Furthermore, what anxiety do you suppose the soul will have at that hour until sentence is pronounced and it gains its liberty? That is its hour of affliction until it sees what will happen to it. On the other hand, the divine powers stand on the opposite side and they present the good deeds of the soul. Consider the fear and trembling of the soul standing between them. If worthy, the demons will receive their punishment and the soul will be carried away by the angels. Then thereafter will the scripture be fulfilled. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Then your liberated soul will go on to that joy and ineffable glory in which it will be established. But if it is found to have lived carelessly, it will hear that terrible voice, take away the ungodly, that he may not see the glory of God. Then the day of anger, the day of affliction, the day of darkness and shadow seizes upon it. Abandoned to outer darkness and condemned to everlasting fire, it will be punished uh, through the ages without end. Where is the vanity of the world? Where is vainglory? Where is carnal life? Where is enjoyment? Where is imagination? Where is ease? Where is boasting, riches, nobility, father, mother, brother? Who could take the soul of its pains when it is burning in the fire and remove it from bitter torments? Since this is so, in what manner ought we not to give ourselves to holy and devout works? What love ought we to acquire? What manner of life, what virtues, what speed, what diligence, what prayer, what prudence? Scripture says, in this waiting, let us make every effort to be found blameless. Waiting is referring to our life. Found blameless and without reproach in peace. In this way, we shall be worthy to hear it said, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Again, it's hard to hear a lot of the things that are said. And it's hard maybe to imagine being in such a situation. But like I said before, um, we don't gain anything by trying to run away from the reality. This is the reality. But the good news is that we don't have to fall from this. This is another temptation, just as all the temptations that we experience in the world without visibly seeing the demons in front of us, here we visibly see the demons. And we realize that they have been attacking us and warring with us all along, all our life. And it is only through the work of God that we have been spared or saved or protected or overcome them when we call out to God, when we seek God, when we partake of the sacraments, when we cling to God. And so God is making it very, very clear. The only reason that God even has allowed us to know this, because you think about it, anything that we know about the afterlife, obviously, as human beings, we have no way to know. God has allowed certain people to experience these things in order to report back to the rest of us and to tell us this is what you should expect. Why? Because God wants us to prepare for it, right? The Lord is telling us ahead of time, be ready for this day. Be ready for this day. And being ready doesn't mean being perfect. Being ready doesn't mean not sinning. Because if the qualification for entering paradise was to live without sin, then no one would enter into paradise. The qualification of entering into paradise is to live a life of repentance. This is why repentance is so important. Because the Lord is not expecting us to live perfection, because we cannot, but he's asking us to repent every time that we fall into sin and to make our best effort and struggle to live righteously and to live in a godly way. So the Lord is revealing all this to us. Again, not to scare us, 
but he's revealing it to us so that we are aware, so we can prepare, so we can use the time that we have here on earth in the right way. The next part of the book, uh, he's going to speak about Hades, which we'll speak about next time. Um, and then after that, God willing, we'll speak about the nice stuff of the paradise, which is what we want to really hear about. Any co comments or questions before we conclude today? I think next week no one's going to be here. <laughs> okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, O Lord, because you reveal the road ahead of us so that we can prepare for it, O Lord, and not enter it ignorantly and being surprised, O Lord, at what we find. We thank you because you have sent those ahead, O Lord, to scout and see the way and report back to us, O Lord, so that we can live a righteous and good life. We thank you, O God, because continually and daily you remind us of how we are called to live and how, O Lord, you want to save us from darkness and destruction. We thank you, O God, because you have made for us places and dwelling places in, the, in heaven that we will come, O Lord, and dwell with you forever. We thank you, O Lord, because of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf so that when we encounter the demons and when we go through this process, we will not fall, but we will conquer and be victorious through your power and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, O God, because you have done all good works in us and you prepare us and you, you give us the church, O Lord, where we can be sanctified and grow and partake of your body of blood and be protected, O Lord, from every evil. We thank you, O Lord, because you reveal to us the reality of the demons that are fighting and warring against us even today in our minds and in our thoughts, invisibly, that are trying to make us to fall the way that Satan made Eve to fall in the Garden of Eden. We thank you, O Lord, because you frustrate their plans and because you do not allow them to have victory over us when we call upon your holy name. Teach us, O God, the way that we should walk and give us strength and hope for our salvation, not to be in despair, O Lord, but to be feeling that we are conquerors because you have conquered the, the, the devil and have crushed him under your feet and that you call us, O Lord, and you said you have given us the authority also to trample on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy, that whatever power, O Lord, you have, you have granted it to us so that we also would be victorious, that we would reign with you and that we would be co-heirs with Christ living eternally with you in heaven. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints here, as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.